Thanks for tuning in to Blokes of Wrestling on the Let's Get Ready Network, brother. On this network, we talk about all the things you love, like movies, TV, sports, professional wrestling, and more. If you're interested in supporting the network, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash LGR Network. And please, leave a rating and review of this episode. Enjoy the show, everyone. Brother, brother. What's going on, everybody? We are here live on the Dropkicks, September 25th, 2021, twitch.tv slash LGR Network. I am joined today by my co-host, who's back, uh, which but is actually his debut here on Twitch for this particular show, Tyler Johnson. And uh, we are not alone today. We are joined by a very, very special guest uh, from Wrestling Observer Live himself, the man of the hour here, Mike Sempervivi. How are you doing today, man? I'm I'm doing really good. I bet a lot of people are disappointed it's not Brian. Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, that's that's usually how it goes <laughs> with these kinds of things. But he's off doing his own thing. Where the heck is he? Like, he took the whole weekend off. Like, what what the fuck, man? He he can't do that, right? Well, well, it's Whitney's <laughs> birthday. So, uh, okay, you know, all right, I when, guess he can. When the boss of the house speaks and says, you know, you're not doing anything this weekend except taking care of me, that's what you do. I'm not sure if he is actually dropping off the grid as he threatened to, although I'm sure he would like to do that. I'm sure she would love him to do that, but I'm not sure he can keep himself away for that long, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to, because, like, he said something on Twitter, I think, about not having cell phone reception. So, I mean, good for him. He He deserves it. He's kind of earned it. All the freaking raw episodes that he's had to watch recently and everything, um, but uh, yeah, we got we got a you know few news things here to talk about before we get into uh, which Mike, you haven't had a chance to cover like the last couple days, and there hasn't really been much. So I think Brian took a good a good uh, weekend to take it off here because it hasn't been like too crazy of a lot of stories and everything that have come out. Uh, I think the one big one is that there's this rumor of uh, Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. Wyndham Rotunda, potentially showing up next week in, at the uh, Rochester show, uh, the AEW Rochester show. And I think it's a lot of it's just speculation right now. I know there were some conflicting reports whether or not he was going to sign with Impact or whether or not he was actually going to go to AEW. Um, have you heard anything recently, Mike, about like, sort of where he may end up and, and sort of just your speculation on kind of where you think he might end up. You know, not other than the same bantering that, that everybody has kind of been, you know, throwing up there about him and possibly with impact. And obviously in Rochester being close to Buffalo and Brody Lee and all that sort of stuff, it would yeah. make, I think it makes for a nice story. I think people may be building that up too much in their minds We'll see. I don't know. I With AEW right now, it's like, does he, anybody could fit in if you get the right storyline and everything and, and, and the right moment, but they got a lot going on right now. And there's a lot of people that are not being utilized and a lot of people that could be utilized better and more. And they just, it's a numbers game. You just don't have the time to do that. So Bray Wyatt using impact as a buffer may be the best thing for everybody, especially as, Wyndham Rotundo figures out 
what version of him he's going to be. Is he going to go back to more of a Jim Jones style of thing? Is he going to go with a hybrid Husky Harris something sort of thing? You know, what what is he going to be? I don't – maybe he knows it already. You know, maybe he's got that plan in place, but he's also got to sell somebody else on it. He'll have to sell Tony Khan on it. It's a lot easier to sell impact on it. Who needs all the attention that they can get? So they'll take anything. They'll do anything. We've seen that when it comes to impact. So that may be a better spot to land in for right now, because if you look at the other options, ring of honor, doesn't doesn't really fit just because of, of it being ring of honor, the NWA, Billy Corgan, probably give them a lot of free reign and all that stuff, but it's like, you'd be doing it. You know, you'd be better off doing it on YouTube yourself. I mean, and it's mm-hmm. a, that's just uh, the the visibility that they have. So, where else are you going to go? GCW again? It, you can't maximize even for the buzz that you'll get. It's not like you're going to maximize who you are out of that. You know, not on national TV. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen when it all comes down to that? And it's kind of amazing that you you know that's the the story that we lead in and you wonder why you know i'm also following with brian and taking this time off this weekend and just doing more things i want to do is because extreme rules is this weekend like there's a pay-per-view in theory totally this forgot. weekend and nobody cares i mean yeah. and it's it, all it is is just filler programming for peacock at the end of the day that's kind of where we're at down with that I didn't watch SmackDown or anything. Did they announce, like, any stipulations? Because, like, going into the go-home show for Monday, for Extreme Rules on Monday, they had zero stipulation matches announced. Like, are you kidding me, WWE? Your pay-per-view is called Extreme Rules. Like, you can't even add one stipulation for any of these matches. So I think, what, the Demon and Roman Reigns is, is Extreme Rules or something? But I, I don't know yeah. any of the – I haven't really been paying attention to SmackDown or anything because I've been – so focused on what AEW has been doing the last week, but do you know if like there's any other stiff matches that have been announced or is it just like that one? I didn't see SmackDown yet. So I don't know if yeah. they added anything there. I don't believe that they did. You know, I, I, I don't think so. Edge is coming back next week. They didn't announce. I think that was an, if it wasn't announced on the show and it probably wasn't knowing them, they did it after the fact, but he's going to be back on there, but I don't, to my knowledge, I don't think anything else has been added other than that one match on a show called Extreme Rules. That's just crazy. Yeah, it's the new regular rules pay-per-view, Justin here says in the <laughs> chat. Yeah, that's a good, good, good point. Um, but, yeah, Tyler, what, what are your sort of thoughts on, like, this week and everything that's happened? Because, like, we've, we've had a lot of stuff go down, and we can sort of get into it here when we talk about this Grand Slam show that we were at. But I, it's just one of those weeks that I feel like AEW is really in the spotlight you know, and they're sort of getting all the focus and getting the attention. And WWE's almost the afterthought when it comes to these pay-per-views like Extreme Rules and everything. So, I mean, what that's kind of what you've been excited for this last week. I mean, we, we were just at this show. Like, that that's really the talk of the town right now, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Um, a, lot, the, a lot of the excitement in AEW was about all the new debuts. And this... Um, the, the two shows combined, Arthur Ashe was all about, like, what are they going to do? With all their new debuts, I got kind of building the roadmap, the roadmap for what AEW might be doing in the future. Yeah, I, it was a really good show, I think, to sort of follow the aftermath of what we got it all out and sort of build those storylines and sort of set up a lot of these new feuds uh, and sort of further the storylines there. And 
we have a pretty good idea of where we're headed. I mean, that, that Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega match, being able to witness that live was just an absolutely incredible experience. People didn't really sit down, like, especially around us or we were so close. Nobody sat, sat down really for the entire match. Everybody was on their feet. Uh, it was the, one of the loudest crowds, maybe the loudest crowd that I've ever sort of participated in. And I've been at some music festivals with like a hundred thousand people and stuff like that. But the, the energy that that room was, was able to sort of produce, uh, at Arthur Ashe stadium was sort of just a sight to behold. And I, I know you've sort of shared your thoughts, Mike, on, on wrestling observer live already about this match and everything and, and the show overall. But, um, do you feel like, like, cause Dave, gave it five stars, and I, I thought that that was appropriate. Um, you know, I, I was maybe hoping for a little bit more because, like, we had Shingo and Ishii, which was a great match, and that got uh, five and a half stars, you know, and everything. But um, I, I, I certainly see where, where sort of Dave was coming from there. That was an incredible match, too. But it was so different. Like, you can almost not even really compare the two. And, you know, it's just – in the end of the day, it's just one man's opinion when it comes to Dave. But and this was an all-time classic for me and I think for you as well, Tyler. Being able to see this live was just an insane experience. So, yeah, I'll pass it over to you, Mike, with, with some of your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Dave and his writing skills, God, and I mean, it was always kind of ridiculous to begin with because all yeah. Dave is is doing is playing the role of Siskel and Ebert. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> he's your your local food critic in the newspaper. It that it, it because it's his taste, and that's the way it's always been. But be, because he's he's Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer, and it's been the you know the standard for so long. It carries more weight, and that system be kind of became the thing. And I just always looked at it as like your grades at school. Like if you got an A, that was four stars. That was excellent. If you got an A plus, you did something that was you wrote some thesis that was revolutionary. Five stars, classic. That's what we're always going to go to as the benchmark. That's the that's that's the litmus test. That's what everybody is going after. Like. And it went down from there. And, like, to me, that's just the, still the way I view it. So it was a five-star match in its own way. Because for a TV show, that was a classic 20-minute TV show match. I mean, it, it elevated that type of match to another level where you go to a time-limit draw on a TV show and left people wanting more and built the story and did everything that you needed it to do. So by that definition... It's a five-star classic. Now, if you were to compare that to, you know, Omega and and Okada at the Dome and and whatever, it's like, yeah, I mean, those 60-minute, 40-minute up-and-down, you know, spectacle adventures, yeah, they're going to hold more weight. But for what this was, that's about as as great as you can get. And that, again, that elevated a time-limit draw on a TV show to some other level. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, you know, and it was like, it, it's one of those matches that I feel like p- people aren't really going to be talking about sort of the star rating or anything. People are really going to be looking at this match as an all-time classic, even years from now, kind of looking back at it. And this area, this era of professional wrestling, I think there's going to be certain matches that sort of stand out as sort of like, okay, let, we'll look at these, you know, um, uh, uh, Ricky, uh, uh, Steamboat versus, um, uh, you know, Savage, WrestleMania is one that everybody looks at, right? Um, you know, Bret Hart and Owen Hart, 
some of these all-time classic matches, you know, Mankind and Undertaker in the cell. What do you look at for sort of, uh, or sorry, uh, yeah, Mankind and Undertaker in the cell. Um, but what do you look that's, at nowadays? Yeah, but I'm just saying in terms of, like, historical points, you look at certain matches, right, that sort of stand out over others. And we are in an era right now, the last couple of years, or even last few years, where there have been so many, like, all-time classic matches, you know, that it's just like, I, don't, I wouldn't even say we're oversaturated with them. I, I feel very lucky as a wrestling fan to see all these different kinds of matches and everything. But there are going to be some that I think stand out over the others, you know. And, and in AEW, I mean, just over the last month, we've had this Kenny Omega-Brian Danielson match. We had the cage match at All Out, which may be the greatest cage match of all time. You know, we've had Stadium Stampede. We've had uh, some of these other, like, uh, Blood and Guts matches, you know. I think these are the ones that we're really going to be looking at, you know, decades from now and looking back at it as sort of a turning point for wrestling. Would you sort of agree with that, Mike, or do you do you think that there are other matches as well that we might look at? Well, you know, history is, is told a lot by the generation as well, too, because, you know, I would go, oh, you know, when it comes to cage matches and tag team matches in a cage, you know, Slaughter and Kernoodle and Youngblood and Steamboat are still always going to be, you know, what I would say. And I would could argue all of these reasons why. And I wouldn't be wrong, but it would be hard to con- really try to convince anybody of this generation that has been watching this version of tag team wrestling for so long and this style of wrestling and just how things are booked and laid out as to why there's no way they're going to take Lucha Brothers and in, in, in what the Young Bucks did. And I can't, they're not, they're not wrong about that. But, you know, the hope is with some of these matches and some of the things that AEW takes from wrestling, I mean, they're doing pro wrestling. When Rampage and really Dynamite are at their best, it's, you have such elements of great 90s Nitro and you have feelings of the 80s territorial TV days, and they blend it together really well, and the modern fan doesn't even realize it. But, you know, they, they do, they actually do that. So they call back to those things, and it's, you know, kind of a hope for me that people who did see that cage match may watch one of these matches and may get into some of this stuff and look at it and, and have a better grasp of history. You know, uh, when it comes to TV matches, think of, like, the DX, uh, Radicals, uh, Rikishi, Too Cool, Mick Foley, that match, that was, it, was it a, that's a, in some ways, a five-star, it is a five-star classic television match. It was awesome. That's still talked about to this day. So even though, like, you know, this Danielson Omega match isn't going to be, you know, Flair Steamboat or Flair, I don't think they'll be talking about it like that. Hell, they won't even be talking about it like the rematch. You know, they're going to have a rematch at some point that's going to be incredible. You know it is so. But this is going to be one that, like, it's going to sit with those matches like that 10-man, you know, tag. And it's going to be one of those ones that people pull out every once in a while. I think maybe gets forgotten about. But then it gets pulled out again, and it's, you know, you realize why it was so great. Maybe we're a little biased because we were present at this one. But I haven't seen an audience at a wrestling show. I've seen a lot of great wrestling matches, but I've never seen one where the audience was so in the palm of the wrestler's hands, like at a, like a rock concert, like Axl Rose in his prime or something <laughs> like that. Like yeah. any move they did, there was a chant to go along with it. There was so much crowd participation. 
that I don't I, I don't get that from um a lot of the wrestlers that I'm a big fan of that are great. Yeah, I, I don't really see anyone talking about that. Um, how how good they are, how Kenny and Brian are at that. Yeah, you, and sort of channeling well, you gotta that have crowd. a willing crowd. You you got to have a willing crowd. AEW's crowd, and I saw that when I went in Baltimore for that that uh, first pay per view. They have a unique. They they have their own crowd. That yes, they are. Some of them are WWE fans, but they have cultivated and carved out a crowd from the indies, a traveling crowd that's got, oh, I'm not saying more money overall, but they have more expendable income. We've seen that over the indies over the last several years with the convention weekends and things like that. And they, that's where all of that came from. So they had this, they had a stronger ready-made group than I think a lot of older heads gave them credit for. And they've rewarded those fans over and over again. And even when they fed them, trash a lot you know the brandy storyline a lot of where they were going with the dark order i mean you look at where they were at that december when thing was and yeah. it was like oh this is bad you know they're they're missing the mark and now I remember brian see- saying they had to talk uh dave off the cliff because he was ready to just be done with AEW forever after that dark order segment <laughs> it, it, it was lean times there and it was a learning experience and their fans didn't bail on them and that's what's going to be interesting as they move forward because even though they're at very rapt attention right now and things are going great and I don't see foresee that ending anytime soon because of who is there, you know, mixed into that roster, at some point you're going to have lean times. And at some point things aren't going to be clicking for you, no matter how hard you try. And it'll be interesting to see how the AEW fans respond because it's funny, it's sometimes where – you know, there's always a faction. We, we're not getting enough women's matches on shows. We're not getting enough women push. We're not getting enough people yeah. of color push. Uh, we're not having enough tag team matches. We're not getting FTR in a, a position where they should be on TV every week. Whatever your gripe is, at some point, some of those are going to converge together. And how does everybody react? And how does the AEW fan base and community react with that, too, when everything is misfiring? Are you going to be able to stand in there and to AEW, you know, unlike WWE, are you going to be able to write your ship and still still have your fans and still massage everything? WWE just does what they want and they mow over and, you know, whoever's left standing, if you're still a fan after that, then good for you. Welcome to the universe. But AEW doesn't <laughs> seem to have that mentality and it's just, it's a different mentality. So it'll be interesting to see when that happens because inevitably it will. Yeah, every company goes through sort of a rough patch like that. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, But I think what might separate AEW from some of the mistakes that people have made in the past, Mike, you were alluding to, like, the fans being such a huge part of it. And will Tony Khan listen to the fans and actually take that input and change the product and make it better, unlike some other companies where you have a crazy old man that just does whatever he wants and forgets what he did a week ago? You know, uh, I think with... With Tony Khan, what you have is somebody that the fans have put a lot of trust into. And is he going to reward us consistently when we get to a position, maybe it's three years from now, maybe it's five years from now, whatever, ten years from now, whatever it might be, where AEW inevitably does go through that rough patch. Um, I think a lot of people have faith in Tony Khan to sort of turn things around at this point. Um, and given their track record, I think that that's sort of what might happen. But it'll be interesting to see. 
the only there is one asterisk the biggest one that sticks out there is because this is all this is pro wrestling 101 for any of the younger fans out there with bookers they burn out you know dusty Rhodes. you look at what he did in crockett from really 84 as he developed and then 85 86 was humming 87 was still really good and then there was 88 and he started and things slid down and that's everybody that's everywhere bookers burn out minds burn out we're seeing it with ghetto is it time for a new foreman in new japan probably right. you know you can definitely make that argument will tony know to step down will tony listen to what dave has written and talked about for so long of the lessons learned from the past of the graveyard of, of the bodies of dead bookers and, and minds of the past will he be able to do that it's very tough to do we see how involved he is he talks about how involved he is with everything he's gonna burn out at what point then you know what do you do but the problem with that is if you look at the sports franchises and you take them into account they don't step back do they they continue to plug on and they are are this is what we're going to do Will he take that tack with the wrestling organization if they run into a problem and they are the Jaguars of pro wrestling for a while? If they're the 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 not Spurs, who that? What's his team? Uh, Everton? No, they were good. Uh, damn it! <laughs> I was a Newcastle supporter. Uh, so I'm not sure either. The, in in the mud, but again, his football team. Yeah, you know, it, it's like they haven't made those changes in, in management and they have had sloppy management and they have not responded well uh, when things have, have really bottomed out and you are getting relegated every year and you are getting the number one pick in the NFL every year. So I guess one could issue a concern that way, although we're, we're fantasy booking the, uh, oh. the demise of, of AW right there now. There you go. Fulham is the answer. Thanks <laughs> Fulham, to our producer. Thank very much. Yeah. <laughs> Shame on me. I'm watching the college football team I, I like right now get destroyed by Georgia State. So oh, geez, no, no, not not at all. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's it's definitely an interesting conversation to have because, like, right now with the trajectory, the the outlook of of AEW seems very very good and sort of where they're at. And and we could talk about this Rampage show as well that aired last night because I know you haven't give, been able to give your thoughts on it yet, Mike. But sort of this this Arthur Ashe show is just. That, you know, it kind of was being built up as potentially one of the biggest wrestling shows, you know, at least for AEW so far in their career. And coming off of All Out, which you could argue probably was their biggest show with all the debuts and everything. Um, and we'll sort of get into talking about, about the show here. But do you feel like this Arthur Ashe has sort of lived up to that hype of be being one of their biggest shows uh, overall and kind of looking at the, it as – because? as a four hour show. Cause it was taped back to back. So sort of overall wanted to sort of get your thoughts on that. I thought it was awesome. I mean, you know, aesthetically when you go into a different venue like that, it's one that's not made, I mean, that's specifically made for a, a product like tennis and you, you put wrestling in there. And I mean, just it's, it was just cool looking. I mean, I don't know what the acoustics were like inside of it. I think that may, maybe so that that see, and that I think could have come across better on TV, you know. For from what I was watching, it came across pretty good. But that to me, they could have even done a better job that way. Um, but other than that, I mean, uh, it, brilliant. 
I mean, brilliant to be able to land. That's the the great thing that AEW has going for it right now too, is everything they do is new. When they run a town, it's new. Even if the building is old, it's new. And when they go into a, a building like, I mean, to run, to run Daly's place, to have that option and to have that aesthetic with the sun going down in Florida. I mean, it was, that was awesome. They got so lucky that way. And then with, with this show at Arthur Ashe and you, how, how great you're in the city of New York without having to be at Barclays, without having to be at Madison square garden. I have no idea how much it costs to run that building, but, but it's what a great idea. If that's, that could be your home. Imagine if that's your home there. Yeah. You know, WWE, go oh, ahead. I love it. Fun, fill up the big buildings. We'll be able to put 20000 in here. And when we want to run somewhere else, we'll go to the island and run UBS. When we want to, or uh, when we got to go to, you know, we can run The Rock too, or they can run something else. And, you know, actually, really, I don't think there's much else you can really run in Jersey that, that would fit their size right now. <laughs> but, like, you know, you, you have these options, and it, it's good to have money. It's good to have connections. And that's a, that's another thing they have going for them. So these types of unique venues and these types of places where they want it to look aesthetically cool, hey, he's got the money to do it. So you know, it's they they are a good position, obviously. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's it's an awesome venue. I mean, just just being there live, and we were talking about the acoustics and everything, and having the roof closed, which they could they could have opened, but we there was a bit of rain and everything, so. They did have the roof closed, and I think that that might have helped contribute to sort of how loud the crowd sort of was and everything. But I'm really hoping this becomes an annual event because, like, you know, it was a pretty easy in for us. You know, $50 for parking kind of sucked, but uh, we we definitely didn't run into much traffic. Uh, the, for 50 bucks, it was right across the street. We just walked up a flight of stairs, and we were right there. So, um, you know, for, for what it was worth, I, I think that they pulled off something really, really, really amazing here. And I would love to see this become an annual event at Arthur Ashe Stadium and, and sort of them, as you were saying, making this their home in a sense. Well, and, you know, you get the, the sports connections. And I know, you know, the Yankees are obviously the, the, the Steinbrenner wrestling wwf can i mean I, I don't know if there's still one to this day but it's like can you imagine them running yankee stadium you know what that, i mean yeah as a yankee fan I, i'm like yes please i would love that because it's like I mean, you know once they get to as big enough point because that's a fifty-five thousand stadium but like they sold out arthur ash twenty thousand. So but that, but the whole thing, they could do it once they could they could do it the first time and i i think you know it was like when they were talking about the united center it was like they'll do it you know yeah they've oversaturated the city don't go back for a while you know but it's like they'll be able to do it you know they can do back-to-back nights in new locations like they're doing in minnesota and everything like i with them being new right now you know they i think in most cases they'd be able to do it because they have an arsenal and that's the one thing is like okay are things a little slow right now we're gonna do this and this and it's gonna pop people to to go you know watch the show if things are we need to bring in somebody they'll bring in somebody to do it so i i think i don't think they would have a problem but it's just when when can you match it up when could you make it work because obviously you can't do it in season you know, I'm not sure how much they're running there other than the pinstripe pole and some things like that. But like, you know, logistically, it may be a little bit of an issue, but 
I mean, it, it's certainly the first time. I can't believe it wouldn't sell out. I'd be stunned. I'd be stunned if it wouldn't. Yeah, and especially if they, if it's like a pay per view or something, or if it's oh, built it sort of like to be. it would have yeah. to be. Yeah, like uh, I, I, like either I guess double or nothing. Probably not double or nothing because that's sort of in Vegas, but like something towards the, the middle of the summer or even like uh, if they wanted to switch things up and move all out out of Chicago, like that that could be a good one to probably do at that venue. But well, I guess yeah, I don't think they're going to move that out of Chicago. Uh, yeah, that one was so you have double or nothing in May and you have all out in Chicago. So if it were to be a pay per view, they would have to run it. Probably if they, move any rev- if they move any pay per view, it'll be Revolution. Yeah, but Re- Revolution or maybe is full gear. Yeah, Revolution or full gear could be an option if they switched it around and instead of doing all out in September, they moved it to the, to later in the year and did full gear in that slot. But I don't think that they yeah, really they've already established that weekend, and there's no right. way they would move. Right. But I think maybe a better, maybe what a different option would be would be the Clash of the Champions, whatever they're going to call their quarterlies, you might be able to pull that off where it's like, okay, this is going to be the first one on national or whatever it would be on national television. We're going to bring in this celebrity and this personality, and we're going to do Omega Danielson. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's like for for a Clash of the Champions. And again, you could do that, not have a finish to that match, or have some sort of disputed finish, not lose anything because you got a stacked undercard, I'm sure. And you know, you could get away with something that way too. So, I mean, they, God, they have so many options. Yeah, throw some big New Japan match in there, like Moxley Tanahashi for the U.S. title, or well, something. Well, that's yeah. You know? I mean, that would be the time you go, hey, okay, look, let's broker this deal to get Tana in here. You know, and do that. I mean, it would be, you know, it would be ridiculous. You know, not at the least of which if it was Tanahashi and Okada, imagine what the place would be. Right, yeah, right. Uh, Even like Okada and Omega. Like, we've talked about events that could potentially sell out stadiums, like, or be a main event of a stadium. And, you know, having, like, Will Ospreay versus Brian Danielson is one that we thought could possibly do it. And Okada versus Omega, you know, five or whatever it would be, would be another one. So I think they have a lot of options to, to potentially do a big show like that. Kota Ibushi could be another option. Kota Ibushi is another one you can put bring in, in against Omega. Even not even a fight. Just put well, not even Omega and people will pop. You know yeah. what you could do? Can you imagine bringing in if you had Tanahashi and Okada coming at the same time? And it's like, give them Hangman Page and somebody because he had that Hangman connection when he was in, in New Japan. Tanahashi liked him. He also liked Adam Cole. So put Omega and Cole. Put Ibushi, Okada, Tanahashi, and Hangman Page. Do an eight-man tag against whatever Ooh. combination you would want. And people would not want to hear this, but I would believe because of the connection, Anderson and Gallows, even though they're very polarizing, Adam Cole and Omega... It's a I mean, good four. and then you lead towards, uh, you know, then you just the the teases of of Omega and Abushi are enough. Imagine if Abushi kicks out of the one win angel angel on that match again. Course, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, of course, everybody's going to want to see that match down the line. So it's like there's so many ways, and obviously we just spent a lot of Tony's money and and really, you know, New Japan working their management to bring everybody over, but like you know. Again, the, the there's possibilities. That's the whole thing that AEW gives you is fantasy. Is that you know that was the one thing when I was a little kid because I'm an old, obviously watching growing up in the 80s. 
we had more TV, I think, than you guys of this era. It's arguable because of the amount of syndicated TV and cable TV. So in an area like mine where I was getting both Baltimore and Washington stations, and if somebody had cable, it was literally wrestling all weekend long and then all during the week at, at certain times. And you would watch wow. all these different shows. And you would think about guys against, you know, what if whoever it is came in, Jerry Lawler came in to wrestle you know, whoever it was. And it just, you didn't, you did, you lost that. You lost all that when all of that went away. And when the Monday Night Wars, at least you had some back and forth. Then that went away. And then you had nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, okay, what, what wrestler is going to show up on PWG? And I'm not downplaying that, but it's not the same as what we've got now, obviously. I mean, you know, it's it's elevated to another level. And that's what, that's what AEW has brought back. And that's another thing it's brought back for the pro wrestling fan, whether old pro wrestling fan wants to hear that or not. Yeah, uh, Haskell here agrees with you. Hell yeah, Mike. WWF Saturday morning, WCCW on TBS and WWF on MSG. The 80s ruled. <laughs> I'm sure you could agree with that one. Um, but yeah, so it, uh, sort of talking about some of the what it's like now, maybe even compared to what it was like then. Uh, Ryan had a, a question for you here that I did want to pull up. This is a very interesting topic here. Uh, do you think, could the elite be as big as NWO when it comes to dominance in AEW as NWO had dominance in WCW? Really interesting question there. I definitely want to get your thoughts on that. I think we may have seen it already. I think when they were running roughshod for a while. Say that. Uh, yeah. I think we did, and I I don't think that they would want them to get to that level. I think they're they're always going to have to be checked and checked more often than the NWO was. You know what I mean? There needs to be some sort of balance there, and whether it be Frankie Kazarian cutting out somebody's legs or Daniel Bryan getting a big victory or CM Punk fending somebody off, there's got to be more balance than what they ended up doing with the NWO. But again, it's a different, it's a different crew of guys. It's a different mentality and the guys who they are beating up and burying and keeping down are all their friends that they're actually bringing up and doing it. You know, that's, that's right. the big difference. So it's, yeah. it's just, I, you know, in a way, yes. Could they dominate the scene? Are they going to dominate the scene like the NWO? In a way, yeah, they they absolutely that can be the case if they wanted to, they can make them. They better. already, you know, they already kind of are. They already well, kind of are, yeah, yeah. yeah Unless I mean, you're it, saying like dominating and like recruiting half the roster, but that well, that's that. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing you can continue to do is you make it like the rampage becomes an all elite show somehow in some <laughs> stipulation. Like you could do all those same things. And and somehow even make it worse than the NWO, but I just don't see him doing that because you're good guys. Number one, your your bad guys are sense. so beloved, and but your good guys are are, are good guys. People want to see and they want to see him win. Right. And AW fans aren't going to eat that shit for that long. Of like, you're not going to beat CM Punk seventy four times so he gets a victory. You know, down the line at the end, that ain't going to happen. That's not how this is going to work. Nobody's no. going to be spray painted over here. So in that sense, like the booking, I would say, is monumental levels above what WCW was back then. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, for a variety of reasons, but yes. I mean, you know, when things were humming for them, even then, you know, it, it, look, and things aren't perfect with AEW. I, I don't love everything, but I mean, I have put, I, after living through WCW and living through a lot of years of Turner owned, I have a lot more faith in anything and everything AEW does uh, more than what WCW did. Obviously, yeah. they're dead. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> That's certainly a fact. You can't really dispute that. But, um, yeah, so I, 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 this is a really cool conversation so far and uh, definitely want to dive into Rampage as well because um, I, I know you haven't gotten a, a chance to talk about it. on. You haven't been able to do Observer Live yet since the show aired. So, um, Mike, what were your overall thoughts on this show and how it sort of compared to the first two hours on TV? Because we both walked out of this show thinking that overall this was probably the better show. Obviously, Danielson and Omega was the best match of the night. Um, but we thought that sort of in terms of overall consistency, this was the better show. And that might have had to do with, like, the crowd sort of dying a little bit after that first match. And then I think CM Punk, that match, and then the next match after with the Super Click sort of brought that crowd back into it and give them their second win. So did that sort of come across the same way on TV? I, I, boy, both shows I thought were, were, were really humming, you know, I, I, you know, as far as comparing the two, to me, it was just, it was a, it was a much better rampage show than last week. I thought and nothing against last week's show. I just thought this again, with the aesthetic, with the energy, with the matches that were laid out, I thought the show was laid out better. You know, I, I thought just everything everything hit and that was the one thing with dynamite and when dynamite's really good that's when it's not too busy that's one of their biggest problems is sometimes it gets too busy in the last couple of weeks you know even that and i put it in the forum at f4w and i've talked about it with other people where even that that dynamite show after punk debuted the one that people thought was disappointing. Like if you compare that to like early stuff that AEW was doing, it's like, it's better than all of it. And like, even that show that had some misgivings to it, the pace of it was better. And just that's where they're at right now. And I think they have, they opened with a big thing. They either opened with a big match or they opened with CM Punk or so it's like everything they're doing right now is humming in the show is just flowing really well. And I thought dynamite flowing right into rampage. It's like, they didn't miss a beat. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel any, you know, any sort of way about it. I thought it was, you know, I thought it was awesome. You know, the American top team deal with, you know, Jericho and Hagar, you know, feeling that that's exactly where we, when we saw that load of, of fighters that were going to be there, you knew something was going to be up, you know, mouse of it all being the one to lay out Jericho. You know, it was great. You know, they had a match to get a moment, and good. That's that's what happens in pro wrestling sometimes. So we got that. I thought that was really cool. You know, men of the year with the new gear. I like Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page better as a tag team. I respect them both both yeah. individually. I think they had a moment with Scorpio Sky where he could have possibly been elevated. Didn't happen. But I think he's a better tag wrestler. I really do. And and I think them together, I think it's going to work. And they're just another tag team now I want to see more of. And the trios, watch the opener. It was a reminder. As watching the Super Click, it's like, you know, trio styles. They have so much going on. I'm not saying they should do it anytime soon. 
or it should be a priority, but it's like they're going to have a trios division with matches that are just, you know, they could do them at any time, and it's awesome with main event guys. So I just thought the show was really great, and then it ends with Homicide coming back to save Eddie Kingston. And, you know, for somebody who's a huge Eddie Kingston fan for years, you know, all of that coming together in Queens, it's just, again, awesome, awesome. So, you know, any of the times where – Things were not perfect on that show. AEW's got so much goodwill built up, and they got so much that they're trying to do right that it's easy to look past some of that other stuff. Or much, It makes it easier for me to give them a pass on some other stuff when they are trying in the way that they're doing because, again, how it went off the air, how, how great was that? You know, Eddie Kingston, Moxley standing tall or at least, you know, hugging in the corner there with Homicide, which was, again, a great – the, the the average fan probably didn't care, but the wrestling fan knows why that was cool. So awesome job! I love how they finished the match too. It reminded me of that scene from Jason X, or I think it's that one where they're just smashing <laughs> the body against the tree over and oh, over and God. over. That's the only Jason. So my my woman likes Avery's mama uh, likes horror films because I don't know because I've never liked them ever. Like, <laughs> I can watch, you know, blood pour and fights, you know, mafia movies, you know, real life things, documentaries, no problem. Horror films, I just, I'm not thinking about new ways to die. But we (laughs) went and saw because we had to see Jason X. And that scene, that's the one scene I remember from the movie where they go back in time to the, the, it's the first movie at Camp Crystal Lake. And it's like the two girls are in, and it's like, you know, so stereotypical. They just, they're making fun of it where it's like, let's like, you know, take off our clothes and like have sex or whatever it was. And it's just like, then he, they, they go to some other shot and then they cut back to the scene and he's got the one <laughs> in the sleeping bag and just beating the other one with it and then beating up against the tree. Just completely ridiculous. The only thing I remember from that movie, I think, except he got like fired into space or something like that, which then led to like Jason against Freddy in space or some shit. Something like that. (laughs) By the way, can I curse on this show? I apologize. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Say whatever the fuck we want here uh, on the LGR (laughs) network. Uh, But uh, yeah, I, I, that's a really, really funny comparison. Uh, Comparing that to Eddie Kingston just whacking uh, Lance, Archer. <laughs> Lance Archer in the trash can over and How over. Is Eddie Kingston the realist because he <laughs> takes that kendo stick and he tries to hit it over his knee and he failed. So what does he do? He smacks himself in the head with it and then just continues to pound on the trash can. That's some real <laughs> stuff right there. Not everybody is Bo Jackson. <laughs> it's, it's right. That's a great point. No, it's it's really funny because like uh, I mean we we were there and I was I actually watched the show last night and we watched it just kind of see myself on national television which was kind of funny. Uh, we were so close we were in the fourth row. Uh, we had that giant side that said geek that was right definitely for you, you got guys. Some good there. TV time. <laughs> I was saying we were probably have like forty five minutes of TV oh, time yeah. yesterday and uh, and you could see us all over the show but for the end for this finish. Like you, they pan to the same spot in the crowd. You can't see either of us because we both are just collapsed in our seats, just laughing our asses off at this finish and how fucking amazing it was. Because it really was just the perfect way to cap off just an amazing night of pro wrestling with Eddie Kingston doing that. And then he did uh, cut a promo after the show went off the air, which I do have 
exclusive footage from. So I'm going to show that at the end of the show here today. Um, but man, just what a moment for this guy and uh, really, really well earned as a, as a guy in this industry that's worked for so long, nearly, I think he said he's been in this business 20 years now almost. And to have this moment in front of his hometown with 20,000 screaming people screaming his name, you know, I mean, it just well, well deserved, well earned from, for, for Kingston here. And, you know that he would never have been able to get this shot otherwise if he if he went to the other guy's company, you know? Yeah, uh, the, I mean, this... He was in there for tryouts. They didn't want him. I mean, if they didn't want Chris Hero, they weren't going to want Eddie Kingston. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's just, at the end of the day, that's that's how it goes. But I'm I'm really, you know, it just shows you if you stay in there long enough, it doesn't work for everybody. But at some point, the cream is going to rise to the top and – whether it be Kevin Owens in WWE, I mean, could you, would you have ever thought the first time you saw Kevin Steen that he was going to be, you know, a WrestleMania player and headbutting no. Vince McMahon <laughs> and all that sort of stuff? I mean, for anything you want to say about his run there, it's like, damn. And, you know, to see Eddie Kingston get his flowers at this point, to see Dave Parazak and Lenny Leonard, you know, still calling matches in GCW and, and doing that, it's like, you know, there's a, that older era and that era that came out of like the IWA Mid-Souths and the, the CZWs from back then and the, the Chikara days. I mean, we're in the era of, you know, the, the Chikara guys. Look at all of them, and including Kingston, uh, including I mean, Claudio, obviously, you know, on the on the other side of the ledger, uh, Cesaro. But still, I mean, 2.0, uh, uh, Orange Cassidy, uh you know, you start going through the names and it's like those guys who toiled there for so long now, you know, again, it's nice to see those people who've been in it for a long time and we're getting, you know, $50 and hot dog payoffs and not paid at all and jerked around and all this other stuff, you know, to see them, to see them get their rewards is just, it's, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it, it really, really is, and uh, that's uh, another reason of what makes AEW so great is it's given these guys chances, you know, and and it really sort of um, shows that anybody can sort of accomplish things if they really, you know, follow their dreams in this business and, and put everything they got into it like a Kingston has, and I think I think it might have been Kingston, but I think somebody said recently sort of coming off of the show, and they might have been specifically t- more talking about the Brian Danielson Kenny Omega match where they hope that just one kid that there's just one kid that was there in that building that got to see that match and got to see this show and inspired him enough to, or her to become a pro wrestler and to follow their dreams and to one day get to maybe that position that that Eddie Kingston was in here at this show. And I I would agree with that sentiment 100%. Like how amazing it must be for, for kids specifically right now growing up in this era of professional wrestling, they get to watch these AEW shows and their heroes are guys like Danielson and Kenny Omega and maybe not as a heel, but like a Darby Allen, you know, or a jungle boy. Like they really have a lot of these stars that these kids can really look up to and sort of follow that, you know? I don't think the kids in our audience got to see much of Kenny Omega, which is didn't. Uh, Brian Danielson. Yeah. We had one little kid sitting behind us and he was having a little trouble seeing uh, over everybody standing up during that match, that but, match but, like, <laughs> but just that man, that match was was tough because everybody was standing up. But we yeah, made man. sure he could watch Darby Allen. Though. 
Everyone. Yes. Knows. Yeah. So I remember that. Sort of have the kids be able to watch these sort of Darby Allen matches and the Brian Pillman Juniors and the Jungle Boys sort of go out there. It really is 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 cool to see. You know, as yeah, relatable characters too. You know, I mean, that's just they get when wrestling has been at its peak. I mean, in the eighties, like you, for for somebody like me, obviously, I loved Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes, and there was you know Hulk Hogan, and there were the the big names. But like some of my favorite wrestlers, you know, Baltimore, it's hard to really explain this, you know, because people only think of Ronnie Garvin and the. But it, like, if you were in Baltimore, Ronnie Garvin was over as fuck. It's it's you you have no idea. But like Wahoo McDaniel, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard. Like those guys, though I love those guys. Those guys are made me wrestling fans, you know, for as much as the big names. And like same thing in the Attitude Era, you know, with some of those characters that people responded to and grasped onto, you know, the the edges at that point, you know, the your Hardy Boys, you know, you people like that. That yeah, it wasn't Austin and Rock and Hunter and Taker, but like these other people made fans you know, lifetime fans. And that's where you get your lifetime fans. It's not just the big players, you know, it's these other people and AEW gives that, you know, gives that to you. And they are providing the opportunity to be a professional wrestling fan, not just the sports entertainment fan, you know, and yet they're not, you know, they're synonymous, but they're, they're also, you know, opposite of each other, you know, when the philosophies are different and they are definitely different. So, you know, Kids are, are going to see, I mean, who's more easily relatable to Jungle Boy, uh, you know, and, and and somebody like that or some of the, the characters, like some of the Baron characters Corbin. WWE. I mean, Baron Corbin, <laughs> um, yeah, a lot, most of them. I just, I'm trying to think of some good ones and there really aren't any. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, I mean, the, with the few, you know, when you the look way at they push card, guys. Yeah, yeah, the way they push guys like Ricochet should be the inspiration for a lot of these kids, and he's just on main event, like you well, know. Yeah, somebody. I mean, it's sometimes that was the whole deal with like you got to win. Like sometimes some guys have to win, and they don't have to win against top guys all the time. But like, yeah. if Ricochet was on TV beating somebody's ass every week, doing something spectacular, you're going to build more Ricochet fans, or that's going to in turn build more lifetime WWE fans. They don't look at it that way. This is all just filler to get to the top, and in some ways they're right. I mean, AEW will never be as big as WWE. They'll never be as big as WWE is. But they can be close, and they can give pro wrestling fans, you know, they can fill them up a lot better than WWE can. I don't, You know, can they do all the, the BS that WWE does? Yes, they, they could, and they could, I guess, maybe be as big. But, you know, pro wrestling is still at the core of the product. And maybe that hampers them. You know, WWE has shown, you know, corporately and advertising-wise that, like, yeah, it, it can be more beneficial to be away from the the term of pro wrestling. But that's not who Tony Khan is. So, you know, I don't know if it'll ever be bigger than WWE, but I know it'll be more fulfilling, I think, for for their fans. I, I That's for sure. And they won't, they won't vary as much, too. You know, WWE's had this huge drop-off. Well, if you're the common average person, like, Oh, I like WWE. Name somebody. Steve Austin. Name somebody who's wrestled in the last 10 years. You know, they might be uh, able to say John, John Cena? Cena. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, so I, 
AEW again, WWE is fine. <laughs> yeah, they're not going anywhere and nobody's going to cry for them. But it's, you know, again, AEW is just, it, it, they are filling everyone's palate, I think, much, much better. When Jim Cornette is giving credit to say how good AEW shows have been, you know, it's like, you know, he, he, there, there is Finally. a bigger enemy out there and there you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You don't need to toss when out. I, when I was a kid, um, watching wrestling, there was always like, when I was wanting to give it up at certain points in my life, there was always like one storyline that would have me hooked. Like, I, I really liked this Jericho Kevin Owens story. I'm not really liking anything else on Rob. I'm going to keep watching that one story. I'm going to watch this three hour show. With AEW, I'm watching for everything. Like, there's, it's rare when something shows up that I'm not watching for. <laughs> yeah. Tell you I the mean- truth. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, and even if something you don't care about is like with two people that you don't necessarily care about, like there's usually something that happens where at least it's something you're going to remember or something that like, it doesn't offend you at least till it gets to the part that you like, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So like at no point are you having like a long lingering shot after the Usos beat the hell out of, Big E, where you're just sitting there for 20 minutes and they're just staring at him, and it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, it's just uh, again, there's there's so much more that they're doing that I enjoy than WWE. It's not it's not even close. I did want to also add that to the live experience of that show, they got everyone on the card. Like the couple wrestlers you didn't the see, part. they're on Dark. They will be on Dark. Like Thunder Rosa and the Big Show, they fought on Dark. Um, Everyone, the only one we didn't really see was like Pac and uh, Andrade. Didn't see them with Hangman. But yeah, we knew he wasn't no, going to be there. People were speculating that Hangman might be Pac and Andrade. Yeah, mm-hmm. they did. And uh, yeah, the only other ones I was thinking, like, I was expecting maybe to see Jade Cargill or, or Hikaru Shida, some of these sort of up and coming women talents. But I guess you, you know, I get it that they can't put everybody on the card. I mean, you have four hours, and that was a lot. And. One of the things I worried about going into these shows was that they were going to try to do too much. Like we've seen AEW do that before where they have a show that just feels like there's way too much happening all at once. And I kind of was worried that that was kind of be, be the case here. But I think with the extra added hour for Rampage, they were really able to space everything out and give everything time. And especially with like Omega and Danielson, a lot of people or some people were critical about that being put on first. That should have been the main event. But reading what some of the folks were having to say about it, it had to be on first to be able to give it that time, to be able to give it the satisfaction for the fans that they wanted, go into that 30-minute time limit draw. You couldn't have done that in the main event. No. I forgot we were getting that eight-minute tag match. Right. We like, were thinking maybe it, it was going to be a big tag match, but then they did announce that it was going to be. powerful came out, I was like, oh, man, they got everybody on this guy. Yeah, yeah. But and the it, way it, they did it was done. well done. Yeah, absolutely. And the people that weren't on there got their video packages because we saw the 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 Jade, Thunder Rosa, Nyla deal. You know, it, like so, it's those didn't air in the arena. Well, that's yeah, yeah. You know, so it was you know obviously put in in post production or whatever. So it's like, but it they did a great job with that. So like yeah. everybody that you didn't see live in the past couple of days or you didn't see live on Friday, you're getting an idea on where they're moving forward. So everything everything's hitting and the, the only problem they have is, and it's a good one in I've talked about on observer live is just an embarrassment of riches. You know, when you have so many talented people 
when Thunder Rosa is relegated to dark, boy, you got a you got a roster and a half, and they literally have a roster and a half. Their roster, in some ways, is probably too big. It's too big, but you know what? What a problem to have. So dark, obviously, you know it's. They're probably going to have to temper dark. I mean, I, you know, maybe limited to an hour. I don't know, but it, they, uh, it's going to be less than forty minutes this week. Good. Yeah, That's it was really good. short. It was they what damn near two hours. Uh, oh, two weeks d- ago, whatever. But dark and, and dark is, elevation actually. We elevation, don't know about yeah. dark anymore. Elevation seems to be the much more easier to watch show. Uh, normally is around an hour, but sometimes dark. Like and the way that they're doing it now, taping it in Orlando. It's like they could just have it an hour every week, but it was like yeah. two hours last week. Like, why is that necessary? Why do we need like 14 jobber squash matches in a row? I mean, I get it, but because you've got to give everybody some time, but yeah. It'll be interesting with the, when they go to that, that WCW Worldwide Disney approach, you know, and Rhubarb Jones is doing the announcing <laughs> and, you know, all that. It's like they're going to have to. If they're allowing in or if, if they're going to push it where Park – tourists are going to be invited in and encouraged to come in you have to do that you're going to have to limit yeah. the times and 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 get them in and out of there and it'll be interesting to see how they they do structure some of those matches and how interesting they decide to make those shows because obviously it's going to be mostly squashes but i mean are they going to have a little bit of spice on there are they going to have a big name every episode who you don't expect or again i mean it's it who, who knows we'll we'll see how everything plays out but Boy, they got a lot of bodies, and that's again. It, yeah. There, there could be worse things, it, but for me, you know, tag team wrestling. I love tag team wrestling. That there's so many possibilities that they have, you know, on the table. But where do you make time for them? You know, it's it's hard to to cut CM Punk. You know, people would rather hear them talk, hear him talk, than see a TH two, you know, whoever match. You know what I mean? So right. I get that, but it's like, man, it's they're just they got so much. They do have a lot, but I also think they have a healthy sort of rotation and sort of, you know, having certain players come in and like, you know, the Ruby Riot versus Britt Baker as the main event of Dynamite. You had Thunder Rosa on Elevation, but you know from whatever, the way they're building the story and everything that Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker will probably main event uh, a Dynamite or maybe even a co-main event a pay-per-view, something like that. So I, I think that like, Certain everybody's gonna get their chance, and the way that AEW, even though they do have a lot of bodies, I think that they're they're really good about sort of building people up with this ranking system that they have, and also sort of keeping it fresh and having fresh matchups and, and different you know uh, matches and everything. So uh, I I think that they're they sort of have have the right idea, but it, it does sort of uh, make you make you wonder when they keep adding people and keep adding people and everything and like. We just had this guy, what, Satnam Singh, uh, this massive uh, foot, uh, football player guy that, that they just signed. And it's like, where is he going to – where is somebody like him going to fit in, you know? Uh, and, and so it, it's interesting. Hopefully it's a nightmare see. factory for a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing with, like, the Lee Johnsons of the world. No offense. I don't need to see you on – Wednesday or Friday, like for a long time. And that's nothing against you, but like, there's too many other names out here. There's, there's, there's just too much. There's too much. We haven't seen Sammy Guevara on, you know, really Russell. I mean, his last match of note was the MJF match, which doesn't feel like it's all that long ago. But when you look at it from TV terms, 
it's been a while now. And yeah, he's been out there obviously getting in the mix, you know, is becoming involved with Miro and everything, but it's like, again, it's just, you got so many names there where, you know, those nightmare factory guys and, you know, sorry, gun club, you know, but it's, you know, there's just, uh, unfortunately it's going to probably be a while for some of these guys to bust out, which is not the worst thing in the world. And I kind of hope some of the people that they are big on, I hope they can reach out to promoters and they can make sure that they are comfortable with indie promoters rings and setups and send some of those guys, you know, to me, the nightmare factory QT Marshall, a perfect fit would be the monster factory up in New Jersey, you know, where QT used to be. I don't know what the relationship is with, with him and Danny cage, but to me, it's like, there's a no brainer. Get some of those people in front of new crowds to see, you know, you know, wrestle some new matches while they're up there that weekend. Maybe they work another show in the, the Philly South Jersey area. And then they, you know, they come back. It's like, you know, some of these people, I hope they're able to get them some time on the Indies, get them to GCW, get them to PWG. Now that that's going to be up and running again, get them to some other places and new Japan strong impact. Any of these. That's it. You know, new Japan strong, obviously, you know, with Daniel Garcia being back and he's is, he's on these shows, you know, and I don't know what Daniel Garcia's contract status is. And I don't know what Wheeler Yuta's actual contract status is with AEW. you know, if they are, just have a favored nation's status right now when it, you know, handshake when it comes to other Indies or whatever it is, but it's like, you know, those guys, you see what they're doing on the scene right now. Daniel Garcia is going everywhere and having great matches with everybody. So, you know, God, the more they can do that for those people, it softens the blow and not being able to see some of them on dynamite and, and SmackDown. Think of SmackDown. My God, rampage. Think about <laughs> 2.0. 2.0, if you you don't have time on Rampage or, or Dynamite for a couple of weeks with how you're looking at things, I would send 2.0 in those three weeks to every indie show that would take them and they would be allowed to go to and just go there and cause chaos and just, you great. know, and just, you know, do that. <laughs> I think it would be great. And I think it would be great for the business too. I love that idea. Yeah. But, it, you know... Overall, it seems like the future is, is very bright for AEW. They have a, a lot of young talent that I think that are, they're going to raise through the ranks. And with bringing in some of these these vets to sort of help put them over and everything as well. But um, we have gone over an hour here, so we'll, we'll probably sort of wrap things up. But um, I'm long-winded we, we that way. do Sorry. appreciate <laughs> – no, that's why we brought you in, man. We really appreciate you coming on and doing <clears throat> the show. Uh, we've been doing the show for a while on other platforms and everything, but we just sort of launched it recently on, on the LGR network and it's, it's been going pretty good. And so we're, we're going to have a rotating group of, of special guests coming in and everything. So we, we'd love to bring you back and, and everything, uh, Mike. And, uh, so if you want to let everybody know where they can find you on, and what other shows you got going on, uh, cause but I, I at least know where to find you, but we might have some listeners that don't. So what do you got? Well, the, the easiest thing is, well, number one, uh, Semper Vivi, always alive in, in, in Latin, S-E-M-P-E-R-V-I-V-E. It could be a little tricky for some Semper people v. sometimes. You know, there's a band in out of Tennessee named uh, Semper Vivi, 
Kentucky? Kentucky, actually. Semper Vivi, who named themselves after me. Big wrestling fans. They're wonderful guys. Nice. But they actually went with the I at the end of the name. But they also get a bunch of angry DMs and things sent their way to, to people that, that don't like something that I said. But So it's at Semper Vivi with an E at the end there. Yes. Wrestling Observer Live. That's usually where I say things that people don't like to hear. That's 3 p.m. Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. on on Sundays. Uh, sportsbyline.com. You can go to the F4Wonline.com website to figure out some other ways to listen to that show, but it's always available, always for free on TuneIn uh, through the Sports Byline portal. Uh, also, I do the Mid-Atlantic Championship podcast, which is my labor of love. It's uh, absolutely adore doing that show. I grew up in the 80s. Big fan of Jim Crockett Promotions, was very influential on me. Uh, a lot of my people who I've talked to historically in the past uh, have been from the Mid-Atlantic area. I've done a lot of work there. So it's just always been always been one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. And I think I have one of the best Twitter feel- feeds in the whole wide world for it as well. At Mid-Atlantic Pod, uh, I do that show when I can. I actually have a show in production right now. I make they're kind of like I, I moved the show kind of into the form of audio documentaries because that's what I like doing the most and telling, you know, a bigger, broader story and having more time to do it, incorporating in as many old clips and interviews that, that I can uh, to try to tell the story of either somebody's career or a feud or something like that. And I've been working on something uh, about Wahoo McDaniel from 1984, his heel turn and the uh, team with Tully Blanchard and battles with Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat and all that stuff. And it's, uh, I think it's going to be really awesome. So I'm doing a bunch of pre-production on that right now. But while you're waiting for that at Mid-Atlantic Pod is uh, the place you can find me. And also too, let me not forget the original alternate at F4WOnline.com. The first show that didn't feature Brian or Vinny, the Adam and Mike Big Audio Nightmare, which covers mostly Japanese wrestling. That is our muse, but we can end up talking about everything on that show uh, in the past. Oftentimes, recently, it's been a lot about New Japan since it's we've had to talk a lot about New Japan uh, recently. G1, baby. That G1. We will, yeah, we will continue to do that with the G1. I got to catch uh, up on a lot of it uh, that's going on, but... New I do, Japan too. I still got to watch uh, Shingo versus Zack Sabre Jr., which I hear is very good. Is awesome. And Zach Saber Jr. is just, he's so great. And Shingo, yeah. oh my God. It's amazing thinking back to like 04, 05 when he was, I think he was a rookie in 03. I can't, I can't remember, but coming over for the Ring of Honor shows and when they were still new on WrestleMania weekend. And like, here we are today. Imagine, you know, he, they, they could run the 2300 arena on WrestleMania weekend and, and get a big crowd. And, you know, all these years later, Shingo could walk in and main event and probably sell out Madison Square Garden with somebody. It's just yep. it's amazing where we've, we've come from and and where we're at. And it's all as a wrestling fan. It's freaking awesome. And that's why I love doing, you know, shows like this. It's how I started doing this stuff and trying to be on, you know, do as many as I can, because what what else? What better is there to talk about than pro wrestling? You know what I mean? And right? do it with other people. Agreed. That, same passion it's it's the best thing in the whole wide world it, it really really is man i mean it's it's an awesome time to be a pro wrestling fan and uh it's just what an era that we live in to be able to see all these all these matches and all these dream matches and everything like kenny omega and brian danielson and shingo versus ishii and and all these amazing uh matches that we get to watch so um again i i thanks for coming on the show and 
it must must be nice and refreshing not to have a, a host that's uh, yelling and screaming and ranting about everything all the time for for a change, and you can you, you don't have to worry about the uh, FCC uh, breathing down the back of your neck. Uh, yeah, come <laughs> back here if you ever want to say more dirty words. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> get suspended by sports byline. <laughs> A border blaster, a radio station that's on the other side of the, it's based in Tijuana. You know what goes on in Tijuana? And we air at three o'clock in the morning there. Three o'clock in the morning, and I was suspended. Uh, never mind. It's still it's bizarre to me. <laughs> oh, we don't have to get into it here. But again, thank you so much, Mike, and I hope to for bringing you on again at some point. Uh, we, we will. Be back next week and everything, and uh, and look forward to to more of these shows. Um, but we do have one final video here to kind of play us out, uh, and and I hope you guys enjoy it. This is after the show went off the air. Eddie Kingston cut this just brilliant, impassioned promo. Uh, so definitely want you guys to all see it. But thanks, Mike. Uh, as always, callers and listeners. Oh wait, no, that's not this show. Um, but <laughs> but uh, we appreciate producer Dom. Absolutely, right? And all the Twitch homies here, a few of them that that trickled in today. Um, But thanks again for everybody who tuned in, uh, and keep it here, twitch.tv slash LGR Network and on the Let's Get Ready Network. If you're watching this replay on YouTube, hit like, share, and subscribe and all that good stuff, and you all have a very too sweet day. We'll see you again soon.